for tuning in to See Grapes, a podcast dedicated to Caribbean conversations. We are your hosts, Carla and Lionel, and we hope you enjoyed this episode as we talk about one of our favorite topics, food. Have a listen and let us know what you think by email at seagrapespodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Welcome back. And today we have in store a special treat for you. Happy to be back. And today we have with us Sadie, who is speaking to us from New Orleans. But Sadie herself is from Guyana. So Sadie, welcome to Sea Grapes. Thank you both, uh, Carla and Lionel. I appreciate this opportunity to be on the Sea Grapes podcast with you both. So Sadie, I guess to start things off, just to introduce you to our audience, can you tell us a bit about you and you were you're Guyanese by birth, right? I'm Guyanese by birth, and I'm of East Indian descent. And normally, when we have more time, and I would try to explain where I'm from, I would often say uh, it started back in 1492 when Columbus <laughs> made land in the Caribbean. Were, were you were you on board? <laughs> I, I was a part of me was back then that's why i have to start the story from then okay well i'm asking because you know this is just a conversation is it's a friendly conversation life in the caribbean and its beautiful cultures and it's all of its heritage 1492 it is let's go <laughs> <laughs> well so yes as sadie said a com that that fascinating bit of history a conversation for another time but today I guess what we wanted to talk about is we're we're in the holiday season it's December and Sea Grapes is quite excited to talk about the holidays in the Caribbean and a big part of that the focus is the food we all know that the Caribbean is so much more than sun sea and sand food is a central focus of many of our traditions and celebrations and we wanted to talk a bit about Caribbean cuisine and what that means, and then also hear from you, Sadie, about growing up in Guyana, you're quite the foodie, so your love of cooking, and going through some of the dishes that mean something to you, and that have been important during the holidays. Uh, a lot of my uh, cooking and uh, favorite foods, of course, come from my Indian heritage, but what was an additional benefit for me growing up in Guyana where we cohabited six races all together. We had the British and Dutch that were there, and we have some of their foods passed down to us, like the baking, and we have our black cake at Christmas. And then, of course, we had the um, Africans that came, and uh, followed by the Portuguese and Chinese laborers and the Indians that came as indentured servants. So we all somehow created a Guyanese food culture that were just a total blend of foods from these six different races. That, I think, is what provides a very rich fiber of food and a fusion of all these cultures. And in addition, we took um, all that was brought by the various races that I just previously mentioned and added a lot of, of local Caribbean seasonings and spices to make it truly Caribbean. And I think that's a, that's a key point because, as you said, Caribbean cuisine, I think everyone knows it as it, it's this fusion of all of these different cultures. And then, 
you know, locally or individually in each of the islands and the countries, we've, we've added our own little bits. Correct. So I think we can safely say that Caribbean cuisine is a cobbler pot of cultural influences. Can you, you tell think, me Lionel? a little bit more about that? That was the first time I was hearing that term. Oh, that term. Well, it's actually a Bajan term. Lionel can probably tell us a bit more about it. Looking it up, uh, they say it originated from enslaved Africans to describe a cook-up of a large number of ingredients in the same pot. Yeah, that, that's correct. It's it's uh, the slaves are coming in from another hard day in the field, and they have to cook themselves for themselves. And basically, it's whatever you find in the field, you bring and you put in the pot. And that was the origin of the Cahabla pot. In Barbados, it has become cultural name as well. And in terms of uh, mixing up all of our artistic talents, we call it a Cahabla pot. So during our crop over festival or carnival season, we have shows that feature the Cahabla pot of culture, which is everything mixed up, giving you a totally Caribbean sound. And it's, it's a vital uh, role, it plays a vital role in our culture. I think so I didn't realize a, that uh, that was just a, a Bajan term. So you've never heard the term Cahoblapot then, Sadie? I, I hadn't heard of it before. Um, and I think that is a wonderful word to describe most things in the Caribbean. Because it's never one item that contributes to something that we're proud of. It's usually a mixture of different influences. So I think that that's an outstanding adjective to describe the Caribbean. I think that's very well said. So here we go, a Bajan term, cohoblapot, and we're using that to represent a fusion and getting back to Caribbean cuisine and what that, that fusion is. So as you said, each island has their favorite delicacies and stories associated with how food is prepared. So perhaps, Sadie, you can um, tell us a bit about, you mentioned the different, the background of food in Guyana and the different influences in Guyana. So can you take us, maybe mention a few specific dishes? Yes, I'll start with some that is very popular in the holiday season. So the very um, first thing that we would eat on Christmas morning is pepper pot. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So we start Christmas Day with pepper pot, and it's just a stew, but what makes it um, super important to us is that we add uh, this um, liquid, thick, very thick liquid that almost looks like molasses, but it's called kazrip, and it's made by the local Amerindians, the native Amerindians of the country. Um, originally, it was made to be a preservative in, in food, because obviously where the Amerindians live, uh, deep in the Amazon jungle in Guyana, there is no refrigerators or electricity or any of that, that, uh, those items. So they had to find ways of keeping their foods preserved. So the casserie oh, was dear. the preservative added to the I, pot. I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, Sadie, but you are making me so hungry. You know, pepper <laughs> pot is a very special dish to me. Just the mere mention of the word, especially the Guyanese pepper pot, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. I'm 
sorry. Continue. Continue. Well, I guess to show to show the linkage, Lionel has been known to make a, a fairly mean pepper pot at Christmas, even yes. though I, we will say he is not Guyanese. Try. <laughs> yes, I was just going to bring that up, Carla. You know, the famous pepper pot maker right here on this podcast. Yes, Lionel Seely. <laughs> he brings in his casserole specially. Yes, <laughs> he claims it's a Bajan pepper pot, but it, yet it has to have Kesrip from Guyana. <laughs> it has. It must be, and it must. It must come from the market in Guyana. Must yeah. be original. I, I don't want anybody to water it down. I don't want anybody to touch it. Yeah. We it. when we buy Kesrip, when we buy Kesrip in Guyana. We want it to come from some of the inland areas, a popular area is called Rupununi. And we actually would taste it. Um, if it's a bad casserip, it meant that they have too much sugar in it and it will have a sweet sugary taste. If it's a good casserip, it has a slightly little bitter taste, but you would know the difference between a, a good bottle of casserip that you want to put in your pepper pot or a bad bottle that you're not going to touch at all. Put it in the trash. So in addition to the pepper pot, another popular item for us on Christmas Day, we must have black cake. And the recipes, you know, for black cake, of course, originated from some of the pudding recipes back in England when the British were in Guyana. And there are so many, it's fascinating to me. I, I actually love asking anyone who makes black cake what their recipe is. And I think I've collected about 12 different recipes so far. And it's amazing how different they all are, but essentially generates the same product. Uh, so that is something that, that I personally look forward to, is having a good uh, piece of black cake. It's very, very rich. So you, you can't eat you know, quite a lot. You would get a tiny little square Mm. And uh, you savor each I'm, bite I'm, from it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're you've hungry got, you've again. Got, you've got to make it big enough that I can get a proper slice. <laughs> so I and will confess way, that black cake is also one of my favorite things about Christmas. And actually, one of the best black cakes that I've ever eaten in my life was was um, one made by um, a Bajan. So. It was wow, excellent. there we go. It was no, actually no, sure. score was one for the Beijing. Fabulous. No surprise. <laughs> no surprise. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> before before we delve into the black cake, I just wanted to jump back to the pepper pot a bit because you know I want to make sure we give it its due. Um, and for those listeners who are not from the Caribbean and not familiar with how pepper pot is made, I think one of the fascinating things about it is that it's cooked off and on for days. And in between, it's it stays on the stove at room temperature. Yes, and because it's the, the casserole that natural, preserves it. Preserve it, correct. You you no need to put it in a refrigerator. As Carla mentioned, you started uh, the way you know my family cooks it. We start with cow feet. You know, we were I was brought up as a Muslim, so we had only the 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 cow. But we started with cow feet because you want the sauce to be kind of thick and sticky, glutinous. So you boil down your cow's feet and then you would add the casserole into that and all your spices, you know, garlic and whatever else you want to put. Peppers, of course, it's pepper pot, lots of peppers. 
and then you would um, add whatever meat you want to. We typically added beef. You can add chicken, pork, you know, whatever your favorite meats are into it. Like I said, basically it's a stew, but it's a stew with a difference. And um, we've had a saying too in the Georgetown Cricket Club in Guyana that there was a pot of pepper pot that was on there for, you know, over 20 years. And of course, the <laughs> bottom of the pot and the inside is probably two inches thick. But they would just keep adding meat and more casual and just let it keep boiling it once a day. And, and Carla, to point out to you, even though it sits just at room temperature on the stove, you do have to heat it up once a day. Mm-hmm. You have to bring it to boiling and then you can turn it off and then it's good until the next day. Oh my goodness. So the 20-something the year old pepper pot from at the Georgetown Cricket Club, that's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course, like any food with lots of spices and seasonings, it's always better a couple of days later. So can you imagine a pot that's been sitting there for over 20 years, how rich and delicious <laughs> it is? <laughs> I've never actually, a small disclaimer, I've never actually had pepper pot from that pot. It was just the tale that was told to me growing up in Guyana. Well, we may have to travel to Guyana and investigate that story. I think and that's And let everyone know how the 20-year-old 20, 20 pepper pot is. Yes. We, we have to write a letter to the Georgetown Cricket Club and ask them if the pot is still on. Yeah, yes, now that they've received special mention on the Seagraves podcast, we will yes. be reaching out. So if, if anyone listening is fam- is familiar with or a representative of the Georgetown Cricket Club, please let us know. Is your pepper pot still on? Because we're coming for Christmas. <laughs> and in Guyana, pepper pot, you said it's the first thing you have on Christmas morning. We have it for breakfast and it oh, wow. goes with homemade bread. We always will, my, you know, my mom and I do to make homemade bread and we have thick slices of homemade bread with pepper pot and another quick tale. I'm not going to take too much time, but when I, I would visit when I was in school abroad in the States, um, in D.C. at Howard, I would travel home for Christmas, of course. And my youngest brother lived in Ghana and he would drive my mom crazy. She would start the pepper pot. It's almost done. This one might be like two days before Christmas. And then he would take a spoon and taste some. He says, this isn't sticky enough. You have to go get another cow heel and put it in there. (laughs) And the poor lady would run to the market and get another cow heel and put it in there. Then he would taste it and he goes, my goodness, mom, this is too sticky. I can't even open my lips. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He wow. always did that. I remember that. I remember that so distinctly. That was just a, a memory that just popped up, by the way. So thanks for this podcast. I now have a, a wonderful memory to hold on to the, for the rest of the holiday season. Oh, that, that's wonderful. So uh, moving on from the pepper pot, I think one of the fascinating things is the, I guess, when you talk about the preservation, and that it seems to be a big thing with two of the popular items in Guyana, at least for Christmas, being the pepper pot and then the garlic pork. Because um, from what I read, the garlic pork also stays out. Is that correct? Correct. In a bottle on the kitchen counter. Now, okay. they, uh, again, um, I know of garlic pork. I've never had it. I'm not a practicing Muslim right now, but I was raised in a Muslim family. So, of course, we didn't eat you know, pork products 
But my friends always would really rave about the garlic pork. You know, we went anywhere. That's all everybody wanted was a slice of black cake and a piece of garlic pork. And I, um, I think, Carla, you can describe to us how it's done. Well, I was about to give that role to the um, chef, Chef Lionel. <laughs> Okay. Okay, <laughs> um, but Lionel. from what I, I can tell you what I've read and for listeners this is new to me as well I have never actually made garlic pork I have enjoyed garlic pork but I haven't made it and apparently they say it's chops that are rubbed with a paste of garlic and a Guyanese variety of t- fresh thyme is that correct Lionel? that's correct. correct that's correct and after at least two weeks it has to sit in that for at least two weeks then the meat is fried yeah it's, it has to sit for a while I, and I it think, sits in vinegar, correct? Yeah, when yes, it's washed, yes, it sits right. in vinegar. Yes, yes mm-hmm. that's right. And mm-hmm. the longer you leave it, the better it is when it when it's fried. Uh, there are some people that, who believe, like in what we call the crackling, that's the skin on the pork when that's done and it comes out as prime crackling that's well marinated in vinegar and spices and herbs. It's... Uh, it's the closest thing to pepper pot. Pepper pot is still the best. So we've got some number one favorite Christmas items here. Pepper, pork, pepper pot and garlic pork. And I guess the garlic pork, the smell of the garlic pork must be fairly strong. Well, you know when you have it. <laughs> <laughs> or you know when someone is cooking it. Yes. yes. yes, yes. <laughs> so you know, basically, you know whose house to go to for Christmas. Yeah, it's interesting. We also... Uh, coming up you know it's Christmas time you also knew who had a ham you know the salted ham that came in from England Uh, those things would smell throughout the neighborhood you knew exactly where it came from wow well I I, I mean this is very fascinating the sights and smells of Christmas or the holidays I'm sitting here and smelling it all (laughs) tasting it all (laughs) I think we're all three going to be extremely hungry when we're finished with this podcast. But I'm sure. And that's just a few of the items. I mean, you mentioned then. So then jumping back now to dessert, I feel like we're going through the courses now. Um, so we've had pepper pot for breakfast. I guess garlic pork can happen anytime. We can have that anytime throughout the day. And then you mentioned the black cake. Correct. And I will say so, that the black cake seems to be, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea of it is the same across the region but the execution is a bit different because i've had jamaican black cake that seems a bit different from Bajan black cake i haven't actually had black cake from guyana yes i think the secret at least in guyana and from what i tasted in barbados is how moist can you keep this cake you know if you get a dried i was very embarrassed once when i provided a black cake expert efficano as such with a dried black cake <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the person know whom i'm referring to but uh it was very embarrassing of course the person didn't didn't taste any of the black cake because it was too dry and i <laughs> i agreed you know unless you can maintain that just perfect cross you know boundary between it's raw it's very it's a good cake cooked and moist that's the secret I think to a perfect black cake I agree 
the 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 and the moisture comes from um, from what we would call port wine, that black wine that nobody wants to take because it's either too rich or it's too sweet. Get one that's not too sweet but superb in its texture and its body, and that gives your black cake that required moisture for an extended period. That's why the servings are usually so small because it's the only cake that I believe you can get intoxicated from. (laughs) I'm sure. And depending on who makes the the black cake, some of them are very potent. Correct, because not only is the port used to go back a little bit at the beginning, the, the, the black cake is better if you grind up the dried fruit, such as raisins, prunes, currants, uh, and you soak it down with the port wine and rum. I usually do mine for a year. As soon as I make my Christmas black cake, I grind my fruits up. They're sitting in my counter right now to be grinded to put back in the jar to, to get um, you know fully soaked before next Christmas. Oh my goodness. And, I, and then <laughs> a couple other things with the black cake. When it comes out of the oven, you then sprinkle it with some rum as soon as you take it out to keep the top portion moist. And I think another secret ingredient is cooking it in a water bath. I haven't done that before, but I'm going to try that this year because I just learned that that if you bake it like a custard, you put the pan in a pan of water and you keep it in a water bath while it's cooking, that adds to the moistness. So I am really keeping my fingers crossed that this year I may have the perfect black cake, but who knows? Oh, wow. Well, I'm sure if you send it over, then we we can have a sample and let you know. (laughs) Okay, okay. What I have to say, Sadie, is that this is a very difficult conversation because it makes you hungry. <laughs> you know, I made sure I ate just before the podcast. <laughs> when you have pepper pot and then you follow it up with a little square of jug jug, you're filled for the day. It's true, and we haven't even spoken about adding the ham, the homemade yeah. bread. All right, well, so now you need something to drink. So is, is sorrel then a universally accepted throughout the region? Is sorrel the preferred drink of choice for the holidays? I would more say ginger beer. Um, ginger we had beer, sorrel, wow. Sorrel for sure, but I, for me personally, ginger beer was more popular. And this is homemade ginger beer? Yes. Homemade ginger beer. Yes. You just wow. grate, you, you peel the skin off of the ginger, big piece of root ginger and... Yeah. You grate it, and then you pour hot water over it, and you let it, you know, brew as such. And then you add sugar, and that's ginger beer. That's ginger beer. That's right. delicious. I, I think I would agree with Sadie that regionally it would be ginger beer. And there's a reason for that. Even though sorrel is also uh, a plant, I've grown sorrel here in my garden. Ginger is grown more extensively in the Eastern Caribbean. And it's easier to get than sorrel. Sorrel availability every year is... It, 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 
fluctuates up and down, up and down, depending on the rain and what else the farmer is growing because soil didn't necessarily bring in the same revenue as other crops. But ginger did because you use ginger for so many different things. And yeah. soil is also not a good mix with rum. Ginger is a better mix. <laughs> ah. rum and ginger. not a male yes. ingredient at Christmas. Yes, I, well, we can't, forget, we can't forget the run, rum. We can't have a Caribbean conversation and not talk about rum. Especially at Christmas. Especially at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, we did talk about it. It's already in the black cake. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So now, now we have even more of it. So I would agree with the ginger, ginger beer. Our sorrel, okay. is, our sorrel is up there once it is available. That's the key. And then the yeah. other thing with sorrel is that unless you had children in the house that you could put them to sit down and teach them and show them how to cut the sorrel. Cutting of the sorrel was a tedious as well as it was an injurious activity. It could cause you some pain. The little, what do you call those things, Sadie? The little... Burrs. The, the burrs. Burrs, okay. Yeah, with yeah. sticking your fingers burrs. and thing as your hair, cutting, cutting the sorrel to give to your mother, who then would then take it and put it in the sun to dry. Sometimes. Other times you put it straight into hot water. Yeah, I think also sorrel to me, in my opinion, is a is an acquired taste. It's it's a heavy taste. Yep, it is. It is an acquired taste. It is an acquired taste. That's true. Everybody drank ginger beer, because ginger beer has medicinal effects as well. A little bit of licorice. It tastes like sometimes to me as if it has some licorice in it. Yeah, some people some people do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the Moby rungs out the trifactor. I was brought up on Moby. And I believe that Moby or Mobert's, whatever you want to call it, Moby is the greatest drink since water. And Moby is made from Moby bark. Yeah, it's, a, it's a bark from the tree, but I, I get, Lionel, do you know the name of the tree that we get the bark from? I don't know the, the, the correct name. I just know it's the Moby, and there's the bark. <laughs> I don't know the name of the tree. I've seen the Past tree. Past the grocery store, I don't know where the bark comes from. Uh, I can tell you, though, that Moby grows very well in Guyana. My next trip to Guyana, not only will I go to the Georgetown Cricket Club to look for the pepper pot pot, I will go find a Moby tree. Yes. Well, there you go. And as I said, let us know. We put out a a plea for anyone from the cricket club to get in touch regarding the pepper pot. So who knows? Your next trip, we may be joining you. Okay. And put in a plea, too, for if everyone knows the name of the tree the Moby comes from, we would appreciate it. So I actually just looked it up, and it says it comes from the bark of the Moby tree. I'm not seeing an actual... Name, perhaps we need Latin to get a, name. It's mm-hmm. called the Moby Tree. We'll inform our guests on the next episode. Yes, my interest <laughs> is really peaked. I'm. I am now officially <laughs> on my bucket list. I have to stand next to a Moby Tree and take a picture. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> evidence. So I think we've had a fascinating discussion about some of the 
food, popular foods, especially at Christmas time or especially during the holiday season in the Caribbean. And we've really established that Caribbean cuisine, a lot of people talk about Caribbean cuisine, but it is this cohobla pot, we use the Bajan term, of culture. Um, because we've looked at the in Guyana, the pepper pot and the garlic pork. And I think the origins of the preservation behind that. So I see the garlic pork, they're, they're linking that to the Portuguese Yes, that's a dish that came from um, that's uh, from the Portuguese. They brought that and tradition. The, ah, together. and the pepper pot and the casserole. Then it's the Amerindians. Yes, the local the local um, Indians in Guyana. We got that from there. In fact, Gordon Ramsay did a very good episode of um, uh, being in Guyana. One of his um, traveling episodes. And uh, he spent a lot of time with the Amerindians, and they showed him how the pep- how the casserole is made. And it was fascinating to me because I had never seen that before. So I really enjoyed that show. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely an episode to check out. So I think bringing it back to Guyana, obviously, because that's home for you, Sadie. The origins of some of the foods there. You had also, we had a brief chat before this, and you had mentioned the Chinese influence. And one of the things I was desperate to ask is you talked about chow mein and fried rice and that the Guyanese have transformed the original Chinese chow mein. Correct. Um, typically, so if you, in a Chinese restaurant, you order chow mein, you'll get vegetables and boiled noodles uh, with a little bit of a runny gravy. In Guyana, when you get chow mein, it's, it's pretty dry, and it, the noodles are soft. Um, meats are in there, whether it's pork, chicken, shrimp. Sometimes you get a combination but then spices are added to, I remember my mom loved thyme, cooking with thyme. And when she would cook a pot of chow mein, she would just crush the thyme and sprinkle it on top of the pot. And the aroma was just fascinating. And I know we mentioned, I mentioned, I mentioned to you another seasoning called married man pork. And it's, it's similar to thyme, but, you know, it's another I would say green product that um, is used abundantly in Guyana. Yep, essential. Really? He said mar- essential, married man pork. Yes, essential to pepper pot. And essential yeah. to the garlic pork. And to the garlic pork. Yes. yes. Wow. You have to and rub so, that with the married man pork. Yes. I have never heard of married man pork. <laughs> and yeah. why is it called married man pork? It's called married man pork. Yeah. Do you know uh, there's a relationship between that and what they, in Trinidad they call Spanish Spanish time? Ah, yeah. okay. It it resembles the time, but the leaves are a little bigger. You know, the thyme leaves are tiny, except yeah. if you've got the fat leaf thyme. Yeah. Um, but this one, it's not thick at all. No, it's no, a it very isn't. delicate yeah. leaf. Yeah. And they call mm-hmm. it span. It's similar to Spanish pork. Spanish. Time in Trinidad. Don't, don't okay. ask me why it has that name. Okay. Wow. Well, so then there, there really are all these fascinating connections because then in speaking yeah. about Trinidad and Guyana, they were saying that some of the some of the foods at like the Islamic and Hindu functions, obviously they'd be the same because you mentioned the famous seven curry. Well, that's only at a Hindu wedding. You okay. would get the seven curry. And I tell you, we um, growing up in Guyana, we would constantly ask, you know, families and friends, who's having a wedding this weekend? And <laughs> if we find one, we go crash it so we could get some seven curry. And they serve it in a banana leaf. 
So the seven curry, and, and I'm sorry, I do apologize if I'm getting this wrong, but it's a pumpkin is always there. Um, eggplant, we call balanje. No meat. No meat is added because it's a Hindu, okay. you know, it's a religious yep. festival function. Um, so we have pumpkin and kalaloo, um, eggplant. There's something, um, spinach. Sometimes there's spinach. Um, I mentioned pumpkin already. Katahar. There's something called katahar. Um, the fruit, the katahar fruit is like a breadfruit and, um, or, or a jackfruit. It's like a small jackfruit, a small, mm, okay. um, and, and the seeds, you know, if you open the jackfruit, you have those big, cute seeds. Well, similarly with a katahar, you take those seeds out and you peel the brown, thin layer over it and it, and it leaves stains all over. You have to put lots of oils on your fingers so they're not all brown for months afterwards. But then you curry that and that's very popular. Everybody goes to the wedding house. They're like begging for some katahar curry. I, like you, Carl, I'm going to get in trouble because it's just not one of my favorites curries but so there's these seven curries and what makes it delicious it's served in the banana leaf with dal and rice or roti and then you put huge dollops of um of achar whether it's mango achar or tamarind achar or um, celery achar and you eat it with your hands and you mix it all up together and it really blows your senses Wow. Okay. So that's the try to find a Hindu wedding so you could get <laughs> some seven curry. <laughs> putting a new meaning to the, the movie Wedding Crashers. Yes. <laughs> In fact, I have a, a one of my aunts is visiting me right now from London, and she really would like to go to Ghana. She's Guyanese, of course. And um, she says, Well, Sadie, when are you going next? I said, well, I'm waiting for my sister to tell me when there's going to be a wedding <laughs> so I can go. <laughs> Plan it around then. That's perfect. Yes, definitely. As soon as I know when the first wedding is, I'm going. <laughs> well, that definitely sounds like a Caribbean thing, linking holidays with, with food or food with holidays. Yeah. And religious functions, you know. And like, religious um, functions, and Eid, yes. When, when we celebrate our Eid after the month of Ramadan, we must have mitai and parsad and plowery and those are things that we really look forward to for that holiday so we look forward to that we look forward to the hindu foods we look forward to the christmas foods so um we pretty much look forward to food every day i i agree with that message <laughs> <laughs> and i think most people will but no, it, it is it is truly fascinating how food is such a central focus. And, you know, you can definitely see why people enjoy foods from the Caribbean. And obviously we might be a little bit biased, but you can come to the Caribbean and experience something different. Because even though we've, we've talked about the origins being from cultures and cuisines from all over the world, the, you know, it, the influences are there. And then somehow in the Caribbean, we add our little extras and our little bits that, you know, make each dish different. Yes, we give it our own local flavor. Yes. Yeah. So this has really been fantastic. I think we're all going to be leaving hungry and we're all going to be getting ready, especially for Christmas and starting off the morning with pepper pot, which 
That sounds like a good plan to me. Yes. In fact, I think I'll probably make my black cake this weekend because that's on my mind. <laughs> okay, well, there you have it, everybody. Black cake being sent out from sea grapes by next week. Compliment, Sadie. Put your orders. Put your <laughs> orders Get your orders in. in. Yes. Well, Sadie, thank you so much for having a talk with us. We, we Obviously, there's so much to talk about Caribbean food. We know that we've left out. Some people probably say, oh, we didn't talk about this dish or that dish. And, you know, we're working with a set amount of time, but we're always happy to talk about. There's so many things to talk about in the Caribbean. So I know we'll be back to cuisine again. And perhaps we can then talk about some of the dishes from a few of the other islands. Yes, and anyone listening, please do email Sea Grapes some of the foods that we may not have mentioned. Um, it's a fascinating topic for us, and anything that we can learn or a new experience that we can try, I would definitely like to learn about. Yes, maybe next we can put next to talk about um, cassava pone. I nominate that one. Okay, that's another of my con- conquis. We missed we missed independence in Barbados and conquis. One of the dishes that we haven't touched on because it doesn't seem to impact on us, but in the Eastern Caribbean, uh, one of the dishes that they have from time to time at Christmas is duck. Oh. We used to have them in Barbados, but that industry died out a long time ago. You know, if you bring a duck around a Guyanese, they're going to curry it. Of course. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll get some more feedback from the other islands. That's on Shandy schedule. And you'll be hearing, you will be hearing about more Caribbean dishes at Christmas time. Well, Sounds happy to holidays me. to everyone listening. And thanks again, Lionel and Carla, for inviting me on Sea Grapes. I learned Oh, thanks so much for, for joining us, Sadie. Thank you both. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you and hearing you again soon. You'll be hearing much more about Christmas from Sea Grapes in the coming days. See you later. Okay, (laughs) bye. Thanks for listening. Remember, send us your comments or queries at seagrapespodcast at gmail.com. All the best for the holidays.